This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday. Oh, it's Friday the 13th. Look at that. I didn't realize that. Friday, October 13th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today. Just another beautiful day day on the way high 66 not so good for saturday periods of rain high 55 and then sunday the sun reappears high 62 if you're walking out the door with us right now 53 and clear in babylon out on long island 48 and clear in net kong down in new jersey and it is 53 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning here in the city. It may feel like a ghost town today because of this threat from a former Hamas leader calling for pow- protests and uh, in favor of Palestinians today, uh, the NYPD telling every officer that they've canceled their vacation for today if they had vacation time. Uh, they have to show up to work in uniform. Mayor Adams uh, holding a press conference last night says there's no current or specific threat against the city, but he says everybody got to remain vigilant. We have directed the NYPD to surge additional resources to schools, houses of worship to ensure that they are safe and and that our city remains a place of peace. Governor Hochul says state police are going to be working with the NYPD to beef up patrols. We're going about our lives, but I just told my daughter just to come home right after school and not to just go to and from school and not go anywhere very public just in case. Yeah, New Yorkers kind of don't know what to make of it. I was at a gala last night, a charity gala that I actually was uh, hosting last night, which was a lot of fun. But boy, was the security tighter than I've ever seen it. People outside the front door, the NYPD there, inside this guy who was uh, securing the place showed me that he was packing heat. So they weren't messing around last night. And so that'll be the case as well today. We're also stepping up NYPD patrols in other key neighborhoods to help protect all of our city residents. New York City We'll do whatever it takes to keep our people safe. Yeah, lots of people getting the email last night. Maybe you're one of them saying, don't come to work today. And that's part of the reason it'll be a ghost town. It'll be a remote work kind of day. Shiva synagogues, museums, cultural institutions, places that were deemed vulnerable. Uh, in the city and throughout the state. Though I'll be protected today, a Rabbi Joshua Davidson, he's from Temple Emmanuel, that's the big synagogue, Fifth Avenue, says um, he's not going to be afraid. Services, Friday night services, they will go on. We are not unaccustomed to states of heightened security. Yes, yeah, so we don't know what to expect today. There are some planned protests, but not even a lot of them. And again, the NYPD, as of late last night when we checked in, says no credible threat against the city. But of course, we'll follow that. And all this in reaction. 
reaction to what has been going on in the Middle East since Saturday, since the Hamas terrorists crossed the border from Gaza into Israel, killed more than a thousand civilians. And let's get the latest on that, because there's been a lot of movement in the Middle East over the last 24 hours. And we go to a reporter who's done a fantastic job covering it all. His name is Alex Trayman, CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. And he joins us live on the Newsmaker Line. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam. Thanks for again for uh, joining us. By the way, you can check it all out at JNS.org. So uh, this is the latest that I've been reading this morning, and you can confirm it for us, that uh, the Gaza has been leafleted uh, by Israel, by Israelis, telling uh, Gazans to essentially get out of the way. And it sure looks like maybe this ground war is about to begin. Do I have that right? Yeah, it's one of the major differences between Israel and uh, Hamas, whereby Hamas was intentionally targeting civilians. The IDF is telling the civilians to get out of the way of military targets. Uh, and there is chaos in Gaza now. People don't know what's going to happen. And, and Israelis also, we don't know what's going to happen. We're not certain uh, when uh, a ground operation will be launched, but but it seems increasingly clear uh, from the soldiers that are that are down uh, around the border, and you know, obviously uh, they're talking to all their family members and friends, and so there is an idea that they are preparing to go in once they get the uh, the final order to do so, and are preparing for an operation that could last uh, as long as a month or longer. So they're telling the Gazans who are potentially in the uh, way of where the military will go in to go further south. Is that right? Right. Right now, they're bombing from the air. Uh, it's been heavy air barrages in, in northern Gaza, and they are telling people to move south toward Rafa. Uh, it's important to note that uh, Rafa is along the Gazan border with Egypt, uh, and uh, we're going to have to see uh, whether uh, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, who was in uh, Israel yesterday, uh, succeeds in his diplomatic efforts to get some kind of a humanitarian corridor opened along the Egyptian border for for Gazans to flee, because it's clear that Israel is going to do significant damage uh, to to all kind of infrastructure uh, within Gaza. And and, uh, Israel is trying to minimize casualties, uh, but that's uh, that's really dependent on whether or not the, the Gazan residents have a place to go. Yeah. So what's the issue? Egypt doesn't want, I assume, these civilians pouring into Egypt. Is that is that about right? Yeah, yesterday, uh, Abdel Sisi said that, uh, the Egyptian president said that the Gazan residents would need to stay where they, where they are. Uh, and it's important to note that, uh, you know, people always accuse, uh, Israel of turning Gaza into an open air prison. Uh, and really, first and foremost, it's Hamas that's turned the Gaza into an open air prison. But secondly, there is this border, seven mile border, uh, along southern Gaza with Egypt. And, and Egypt is, not allowing, uh, doesn't want to have anything to do uh, with the residents of Gaza. So there's a kind of a double standard here, you know, accusing Israel for, for creating a situation, uh, you know, that, that Egypt is, is also equally responsible for. WABC News Time 509 on the Newsmaker Line with Alex Trayman, the CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. You can check them out, as I have been doing, at JNS.org. Over the last couple hours this morning, leaflets have been dropped in Gaza by Israel, warning Gazans to 
get out of the way as essentially it looks like this ground war or more bombing may begin. They told them they have 24 hours to do so. So, Alex, we're talking about, what, a million people who will have to move out of the way? Do we have any sense of what that number might be? Well, there's about two million residents in Gaza. And, you know, they say about a million live in the, the northern portion of the Strip. Um, we're still talking about air barrages. There's yet to be a, uh, a final go ahead on a ground incursion, but it does seem like that that is probably uh, likely to happen. I don't know if that will be today. I don't know if it will be tomorrow, maybe early next week, but it seems like it's, it's very much impending. And is this about taking out these underground tunnels? It's about completely demilitarizing uh, the Gaza Strip and, and making sure that Hamas has no military capacity or motivation to commit an act of atrocity or attack Israel in any way, shape, or form ever again. So they're going to take out the, the entire top leadership of, of Hamas, uh, and they are using every technological tool they can to, to track, at this point, every social media post, every WhatsApp or text message uh, using photographic uh, images from inside Israel during the massacre on Saturday to identify and geolocate uh, the people that were involved in these attacks and to take every single last one of them out and at the same time take out all the headquarters and the infrastructure of uh, Hamas. Saw that um, Secretary of State Antony Blinken was meeting with some of the families who have who believe their family members are being held captive in Gaza. What did he tell those families? Well, you know, there's about 14 to 20 Americans that are held hostage reportedly uh, out of the 150 to 200 hostages believed to be held in total. And, uh, you know, it's not clear yet. They don't have enough intelligence on where they are. I'm certain that they're trying to use uh, diplomatic channels to try to to try to convince Hamas to to release them. Uh, You know, the hope would be that uh, I guess that Israel would lessen up on its uh, on its punitive response if if the hostages were released. At the same time, uh, you know, Israel has to make sure that something like this can never happen again. You know, we have a slogan here in Israel called never again, and that's about the Holocaust. And we just saw images that looked uh, the worst that we've seen since the Holocaust on Saturday. And when we say never again, what that means is to make sure that what happened on Saturday can never again happen. And that's the beauty uh, and the strength of the state of Israel is that it has a military now to to make sure that never again actually means never again. Any talk of what those diplomatic avenues might be that they could be offering Hamas to release those hostages? You know, we're not getting reports on that as of yet. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainty regarding the hostages. Um, You know, you're not hearing very, very clear statements uh, from the Americans about what they believe uh, Israel's objectives are or what uh, what permissions they've given Israel regarding objectives. And, and we don't know exactly what diplomatic uh, diplomatic conversations are taking place. But we do know that Anthony Blinken is going to be speaking to the president in Egypt. He's going to uh, visit uh, King Abdullah in Jordan and to meet with several of the other uh, players in in the region. Uh, and also that uh, Secretary of Defense uh, Lloyd Austin has just arrived in Israel this morning uh, for for conversations with uh, Israel's war cabinet.
these families have been taking to the Internet, to any uh, microphone or press asset that they can to tell their story of their loved one that's being held captive in Gaza. How's that playing in Israel today? Yeah, they, they've already organized as as a group the ones that there's over 120 families that have already been contacted uh, by the Israeli government to, to let them know that their that their loved ones are are believed to be hostages in Gaza and they they had a meeting last night and you know the IDF has appointed a liaison uh, to the families as someone who's dealing explicitly with the with the hostage issue. Um, which is somewhat different, uh, but obviously related to to all the other military objectives. Uh, and uh, even though he wasn't invited, the the uh, liaison showed up and and he was warmly received there. And, and he said that they're going to do everything that they can uh, to try to get them out. And amid all this, are uh, rockets still being fired from Gaza into Israel today? Yeah, after a fairly quiet night. Uh, just within the last hour, Hamas is claiming to have fired 150 rockets uh, toward uh, the coastal city of Ashkelon, which is the Israeli city, uh, you know, closest uh, to the Gaza Strip along the coast. Uh, we don't know if those numbers are correct. Uh, there's reported to have been at least uh, dozens of explosions heard uh, over the city when the Iron Dome uh, knocks out the the some rockets when they're in the sky. Um, so we don't know how many, but but certainly uh, rockets continue to be fired now uh, six or seven days after the initial fighting began. And one last, que- one last question for you. I know there's a resolve, of course, to stay and fight on part of the Israelis. That's the mindset. But are there Israelis who've said, you know, I want to get my family out of here and if they could have jetted out of the country? Oh, absolutely. It's one of one of my colleagues uh, who recently uh, moved to Israel within the last couple of years from Mexico, boarded an emergency flight just a few days ago with their entire family uh, to leave. Uh, another friend of mine from, you know, originally from, from New York, uh, you know, took him, his wife and his kids that went out. You know, for a lot of people, there there's incredible anxiety now about, about what could happen. And if they have the ability to leave, they are. But most Israelis are hunkering down. Uh, and, and more than just hunkering down, there's there is just an incredible sense of, of resolve uh, among Israelis and, and unity and and the, the, the feeling that uh, they want to win this and they want to win it together and they want to win it conclusively. Uh, and you're seeing thousands of Israelis volunteering, um, preparing food packages and, and other goods, and even in some cases, uh, you know, uh, supplementary military gear and medical gear and just getting it to wherever it needs to go. And, and at the same time, there's also been an outpouring of support from American Jews uh, who have raised millions of dollars uh, for Israeli relief and, and also organizing shipments uh, of, again, you know, some, some military supplies, supplemental military supplies and, and medical supplies and the like. Yeah, I can tell you, Alex, uh, I'm proud to say I was hosting an event last night just for that and just in that cause. And we raised a million dollars last night. So hopefully that money will go to great use. Alex, um, have a uh, as good of a weekend as you can. We'll be thinking about you. And um, thank you, as always, for checking in as you have over the last week and letting us know what's going on in the Middle East. We, super, we really appreciate that. Okay, thank you so much, Noam. Sure. Alex Trayman, the CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. Check them out, jns.org. All right, we're a little late, but we'll head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk, where we find Justin Ellick.
Thank you, Noam Layden. On the gridiron, Kansas City Chiefs moved to 5-1 and one on the year with their 19-8 to eight win over the visiting Denver Broncos last night on Thursday Night Football. Denver moves to an underwhelming 1-5 overall. Locally, the 2-3 and three Jets get set to host the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles Sunday afternoon at 425 p.m. Currently as seven-point underdogs. As for the 1-4 and four Giants, they'll be in Buffalo Sunday night at 820 p.m. as 14.5-point underdogs against the 3-2 and two Bills. On the ice, where the Rangers and Devils opened their respective 2023 regular season campaigns last night for the Hockey Blue Shirts. They started things off with a 5-1 to win in uh, Buffalo against the Sabres. Chris Crowder decided to get right after it, bearing a first-period goal before this shorthanded beauty. In the third, that put New York up 4-1 to and all but sealed the victory. Rangers shorthanded for another minute 10, and here comes Zibanejad into the Buffalo zone. Sets it to the net, they score, shorthanded goal. Crowder following up on the play. And it's 4-1 to with 8.26 to go in the third period. That call courtesy of MSG. I don't know who that buffoon was. Sam Rosen was not on the call last night. Uh, but the Rangers, they'll be back in action tomorrow night in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. As for the Devs, they dropped the puck on their season with a 4-3 to win at home against the Detroit Red Wings. Jack Hughes picked up right where he left off with two goals in the second period before Dougie Hamilton snapped a third-period tie to propel New Jersey to a uh, victory. They're right back at it tonight at home against the Arizona Coyotes. Puck drop set for 7 p.m. To the Diamond and the MLB playoffs, we have our final championship series bound squad in the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies eliminated the Atlanta Braves with a 3-1 to win in Game 4 of the NLDS in Philadelphia. The Braves still have never beaten the Phillies in a playoff series. Now that the championship series are set in both leagues, just four wins stand between each of these teams and a ticket to the 2023 World Series. On Sunday, the Texas Rangers will meet the Astros in Houston for Game 1 of the ALCS on Fox. Both teams ended the regular season with identical 90-72 and 72 records. Fans of either the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Philadelphia Phillies will have to wait until Monday night for Game 1 of the NLCS on TBS. That series will begin in Philadelphia. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Thank you very much, Justin. WABC News Time 521. Let's go down to D.C. Steve Scalise bowing out of the race to become the next Speaker of the House. I just share with my colleagues that I'm withdrawing my name as a candidate for... Speaker he announced at a conference meeting Thursday night he would be pulling out of the race following a full day of meetings with fellow Republicans. It appeared unlikely he would get the 217 members of his own party. What's that? I gave you the info. You think it's all because of this white supremacist meeting that he spoke before in like 2002? 100%. I spoke to Nancy Mace at dinner last night, and it's become increasingly clear if Matt Gates and or Nancy Mace don't want you, you're dead, whether it's Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise. She sent me that article two days ago. I told you about it yesterday. Nobody else knew about it. And that day, he steps down. Hmm. Well, he, of course, back in the back when it came out initially, he had apologized for it, that it was a mistake. But uh, the article, of course, resurfacing as he tried to become the next House Speaker. So uh, here's a little more from him. We have to have everybody put their agendas on the side 
and focus on what this country needs. So House Republicans going to have to huddle again today to try to figure this all out. Will be Jim Jordan, who lost in that race to Steve Scalise by uh, like 16, 17 votes. The White House, meanwhile, says Republicans need to sort this all out. What we're seeing is certainly shambolic chaos that we're seeing over there on the other side of Pennsylvania Avenue, and they need to get their act together. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there. How are they going to uh, going to select their speaker? That's up to them. But of course, the president wants to continue uh, to move forward on uh, on making sure that the, the the business of the American people is done. Yeah. So there was that meeting yesterday where it became clear Steve Scalise would not have the votes. He opt out of the race. Now the question is, will the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, who came in second in that race, will his name be put forward and will he be the next House Speaker? I guess we'll have to wait and see till later today. A verdict has been reached in the so-called boy in the box case. Timothy uh, Farader was guilty on all counts against him for forcing his adopted teenage son to stay in a box-like structure in the garage of the family's Jupiter, Florida home. During closing arguments yesterday, prosecutors said what the man was doing to the boy was criminal. Any person would know, any reasonable parent would know that this is not acceptable. Any reasonable parent or person would know that this is going to harm. Farader had been convicted of aggravated child abuse, child neglect, false imprisonment, and will be sentenced on November 16th. Boy, they can't flow that guy away behind bars for long enough. Scores on the ACT college admissions exam, they continue to drop now to their lowest point in more than 30 years. There is speculation that much of this has to do with learning loss from COVID. All the studies have shown that having an in-person instructional setting is vastly superior to any other form of instruction. You talk to any parent of a kid who went through COVID in school, they'll tell you there was definitely learning loss. That's Mark Wiggins with the American Federation of Teachers in Texas. Having that teacher in the classroom and that student in the class classroom interacting together it can't be beat it is very important and we know it has a tremendous impact on student outcomes yeah well now kids back in the class we'll see if those scores come back up the owners of the store that sold the winning one billion seven hundred and twenty five million dollar powerball ticket are richer today as well may and jacqueline khalil own the midway market and liquor store in fraser park california where that ticket was sold her son called me and said we won at the beginning i didn't believe that i thought he's joking after that he sent me a text message then i got it yes the store is off uh interstate five it's about 70 miles or so north of downtown los angeles the owners will receive at least a million bucks as a bonus from the california lottery just for selling that ticket who won the ticket well uh, that person hasn't come forward may not do so for a while you know you make me Rudolph Isley of the Isley Brothers has died. TMZ reports he passed away in Illinois. A source telling the outlet it's believed he suffered a heart attack. The Isley Brothers, you'll remember, began performing together all the way back in the 50s. And five years later, released that song, Shout, which became very popular in Animal House. Do I have that right? It was Animal House, right? Oh, I'm getting the thumbs up from Lou. Okay. Prices were up in September for a variety of goods and services. The consumer price index out this morning from the Labor Department shows a 0.4% increase for the month and a 3.7% jump over the same time last year. Those numbers slightly exceeded most analysts' expectations. The rising cost of shelter was the main driver behind the jump. 
I'm Lisa Taylor. Talks between Hollywood Studios and the Actors Union suspended after negotiations broke down midweek, and it's not clear where they're going to meet again. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which represents the studios, said the two sides were still too far apart. The strike has been going on for three months as actors want a 2% cut of revenue from streaming shows, a number which studios say is unrealistic. The Actors Union, SAG-AFTRA, also wants safeguards over the use of artificial intelligence. I'm Mark Mayfield. The opening bell, it rings this morning after stocks closed lower on Wall Street yesterday. This comes after the release of last month's Consumer Price Index. It showed an increase of 0.4% in September and 3.7% year over year. So at the closing bell, the Dow uh, uh, went up 173 points. The S&P dropped 27. The Nasdaq fell by 85 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Friday, October the 13th. Yeah, it's Friday the 13th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunny day on the way, high 66. Saturday, periods of rain, the high just 55. And then Sunday, the sun reappears, the high 62. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 53 and clear in Babylon, out on Long Island. 48 and clear in Netcong, down in New Jersey. And it is 53, and we'll call it scattered clouds here in Midtown. And we'll start this half hour right here in the big city. Two commuters speaking out. After they were injured while waiting for an R train in Queens, uh, a guy on the train, I mean, this, I just can't make this stuff up. A guy on the train is standing on the train in between cars with a piece of lumber. So as the train comes into the station, uh, this piece of wood hits this 59-year-old woman. It's an R train at the Grand Avenue station, this guy holding a piece of wood from the moving train. It hit her in the throat. And um, she's lucky, actually, that it just didn't take her down. But uh, she suffered some minor injuries. Here she's talking about what it was like to have some creep hit her with a piece of wood off a subway train. And then he stuck. His full speed, just before it got to me, he stuck a, a board out and it hit me in my throat that my windpipe would have cracked in half, and I wouldn't have made it. Yeah, I would thank, have died on yeah, the platform. Yeah, thank God she's okay. So it didn't end there. Then uh, two men were waiting on the R platform at Elmhurst Avenue when, I'm assuming it's the same guy, piece of wood from a moving R train. He threw it at them. Uh, thankfully, they were not hurt. Then a short time later, well, about three minutes later, a 56-year-old woman waiting on the platform at the Jackson Heights Roosevelt Avenue station when the same dope held out a piece of wood from an R train. It hit her in the head, blood gushing out. A lot, a lot, yes. As you, well, the platform was covered with blood. The scar will be there for the rest of my life. The scar will be there, but, and the thought, I mean, I don't even want to get on a train anymore. Yeah, who can blame her? And she said the most disturbing part 
well, I guess it's disturbing enough to get hit by a piece of wood while you're waiting for a train by someone who's holding it out as the train comes in. But she said the other most disturbing part was there she was bleeding and dazed by a hit by this piece of wood and nobody on the platform helped her. I'll tell you this, uh, we have a picture. What worried me more was that no one helped. Like no one wanted to get involved. They want to film what happened. Everybody wants to click some of the likes and the shares. But humanity, very little. Can you imagine? I mean, people are actually taking out their phones to take video of this woman, but they're not running over to help her after she's been attacked. Uh, the head of the subways says they'll catch up with this creep. I'll tell you this, uh, we have a picture of that clown and we're going to catch that person. Anyone who's menacing our employees or our customers, in this case, the customers, uh, it's completely outrageous. Yeah, as he calls them, a clown, a creep, a jerk, whatever you want to call them. There is a really clear pictures of this guy, just a matter of time till someone turns them in. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez facing new charges connected to the bribery case against him. The superseding indictment that was filed yesterday accuses Menendez of acting as a foreign agent. I mean, this is unbelievable. By providing sensitive government information to Egypt and maybe even handing over some secrets that aided Egypt as well. A professor of politics, political science at Montclair University say this might be a first for a senator in the history of our country. The only person that I can remember that's a public official that was charged with something along these lines was FBI agent Robert Hansen. I don't have a memory of, in contemporary modern history, of a senator being charged with that. Menendez and his wife, you'll remember, indicted last month on bribery charges, alleging they accepted cash, gold bars from several New Jersey businessmen, one of them with close ties to the Egyptian government. Yesterday, you had Senator John, John Fetterman, the senator from Pennsylvania, going before the camera saying it's time that the full Senate get together to vote to expel Menendez from the chamber immediately. It's not clear if other senators are on board with that. 536. Leaders here in the city pushing to suspend New York City's right to shelter policy as this migrant crisis grows. Uh, the law says anyone in New York City can access guaranteed shelter. Governor Hochul sent a letter to the judge basically saying she agrees with Mayor Adams' assessment that the current situation is unsustainable. When you ask at the border why they're not going to 50 other states, they well know and have been told by the people transporting them you go to New York City, you'll get free shelter. There are more than 60,000 migrants in city shelters, many of whom are waiting for work authorization. Advocates oppose the suspension of the right to shelter and have called on the governor and the mayor for inclusive solutions, they say, to the migrant crisis. We cannot let there be an open invitation to the entire world to come to New York because that is not sustainable. That's what we're talking about is this is this interpretation. Yeah, and she said the right to shelter was all about helping out the homeless. That does not mean my commitment to helping the homeless on the streets, especially those with mental health. My commitment remains steadfast. It continues to be a mess, by the way. Migrants still rolling into the Port Authority almost every day from the U.S.-Mexico border. WABC News Time 539, a gas station employee in New Jersey under arrest after police say he used his phone to take or try to take inappropriate pictures of women hundreds of times. Police announcing the arrest uh, yesterday. Miguel Melcor Gomez worked as a cashier at a gas station in Wachong 
And uh, he took these pictures, they say, between December of 2021 and December of 2023 at the Circle Convenience Store. They say during that time, he used his phone to film underneath female customers' clothing. They say sometimes he would pretend the credit card machine malfunctioned so he could get close enough to take the pictures or video. This guy's a real creep. Police say the majority of the victims were adults, but they say several of the victims are believed to be under 18. Out to Long Island, there is a resolution now in the House to expel Long Island Congressman George Santos. Fellow New York Republican Congressman Anthony D'Esposito says he has co-sponsors, including freshman Republicans from New York, and he expects many Democrats to join the effort to try to get rid of Santos. It's getting ridiculous at this point, and there's no way that he has the ability to focus on uh, on, on serving in the House of Representatives, nonetheless, Uh, serving the constituents of the 3rd Congressional District. Santos hit with federal charges now, accusing him of stealing identities, using his donors' credit cards without their approval. This comes after those separate federal charges back in the spring. Congressman D'Esposito was asked if he thinks he'll get the support he needs to expel Santos because it wasn't there before. But I, I don't think that uh, Santos is making it to the to the general election, either on the accord of, of his uh, criminal investigation or because the Nassau County GOP will primary him and make sure that he's not running. So here's the tough part. Removing Santos would require a vote from two-thirds of the House. It's not clear if they'd have that. 541, let's stay out on Long Island. Saveville High canceling the remainder of the boys' varsity soccer season due to hazing. Then a letter that went out to parents last night. Superintendent said an internal investigation found the team's members took part in violent and humiliating acts of hazing against younger teammates. Uh, Apparently, this all took place off campus, but that doesn't matter. Further details of the incident were not released, but the superintendent says the incidents on past teams involved racism and anti-Semitism. That was not the case this time, but either way, Soccer season gone at Seville High. 542 will bring it back into the city. New York City's greenways are going to be expanded by about 40 miles. Mayor Adams making this announcement yesterday says the city will develop five new greenway corridors of protected bike infrastructure and walkways in the outer boroughs. We know that the future is about working with nature, reclaiming green spaces from all over New York. And making sure that everyone uh, could have the access that they deserve. That means 16 miles of the Queens waterfront that runs parallel to the Long Island Sound and a section of Staten Island from the Gothels Bridge to the Verrazano Bridge. All will have new greenways. These greenways will ultimately cover 16 miles of Queens waterfront. Connect Coney Island to Highland Park. Randall's Island Park to SUNY Maritime. All right, so you're asking me, what does this all mean? Well, it's actually great. It's uh, more recreation space. Uh, It'll involve more commuter options as well. It would be a combination of on-street and off-street bike and pedestrian routes. And it's all being paid for through federal grant money. New York State apparently making some progress to fulfill Governor Hochul's $1 billion mental health support plan. The state... Lost hundreds of psychiatric beds so hospitals could fill them with COVID patients. But Governor Hochul says there's a renewed effort to bring those beds back. I'm proud to announce we are way ahead of schedule. As we speak, 99 psychiatric beds are already online. And by the end of this year, not two years, this year, 
we'll have 150 already online to take care of people in need of those services. And some of what was sped up was uh, the governor says the state had started issuing fines to speed up the process. Since 2022, state-funded teams have helped nearly 200 people secure permanent housing, many of whom were living with mental illness. Which is why we threatened fines, didn't get the action I wanted, and now we're starting to impose fines. And that's happening right now to send a message like, we have no more time to waste. Let's bring it back to the city, New York City, honoring this week a dozen FDNY members who died in the past year, including two who died in the line of duty, firefighter Billy Moon and EMT Allison Russo. Both late Long Island residents died in the line of duty while serving here in the city. They both spent more than two decades saving the lives of New Yorkers and were committed to helping others, to being good co-workers, and above all, they were brave individuals who answered the call of duty. If you remember these stories, I remember speaking to Billy Moon's mother when, um, uh, I'm sorry, my wife, Billy Moon's uh, wife, when uh, he was uh, died in a training accident with the FDNY. Uh, Allison Russo, she was the EMT, you remember, that was savagely attacked by uh, essentially a homeless man and killed. So both of these two being honored as they should be. Your loved ones mattered to the FDNY family, and they mattered to the entire city. We vow to always honor them to keep their memories alive. Yeah, nice job done there by the FDNY. 545, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellen. Thank you, Noam Layden on the gridiron, which we're going to start here. The Kansas City Chiefs move to 5-1 and one on the year with their 19-8 win over the visiting Denver Broncos. Okay, fine. Taylor Swift was there. What do you want from me? How many times did they show her last night? I don't know. You know. I didn't watch the game. So, Did you watch the game? I did not. Yeah, so. And I really didn't watch the game because of that reason for the most part do you think that's turning people off yeah well it turned me off so yes i do so you really didn't watch the game because you didn't want to see taylor swift is that really the reason uh or was what, it just that it was going to be a terrible game why are you interrogating me <laughs> can't you just right. take, can't you just take it on the surface here you, you're, you know what you're absolutely right i'm going to turn off my mic this oh. is just your chance to do your sports report <laughs> i'm not supposed to interrupt so go ahead well but the closer you get to the truth no yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get out of the truth yeah that's the problem yeah. you no. see what i'm saying <laughs> the Chiefs win 19-8 uh, to on Thursday Night Football over the Denver Broncos. Denver moves to an underwhelming 1-5 on the year. Sheesh. Locally, the 2-3 and three Jets get set to host the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles Sunday afternoon at 4.25 p.m. Currently as seven-point underdogs. As for the 1-4 and four Giants, they'll be in Buffalo Sunday night at 8.20 p.m. as 14.5-point dogs against the 3-2 and two Bills. On the ice, where the Rangers and Devils opened their respective 2023 regular season campaigns last night for the Hockey Blue Shirts. They started things off with a 5-1 to one win in Buffalo against the Sabres. Chris Kreider decided to get right after it, bearing a first-period goal for this short-handed beauty. Then the third, that put New York up 4-1. to It all but sealed the victory. Rangers short-handed for another minute 10, and here comes Zibanejad into the Buffalo zone. Sends it to that, they score, short-handed goal. Kreider following up on the play. And it's 4-1 to with 8.26 to go in the third period. That call courtesy of MSG. They'll be back in action, the Blue Shirts, that is, tomorrow night in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. As for the Devs, they dropped the puck on their season with a 4-3 uh, win at home against the Detroit Red Wings. Jack Hughes picked up right where he left off with two goals in the second period before Dougie Hamilton snapped a third-period tie to propel New Jersey to a victory. They're right back at it tonight at home against the Arizona Coyotes. Puck drop is set for 7 p.m. To the Diamond and the MLB playoffs, 
We've got our NLCS and ALCS series all set and ready to go as the Philadelphia Phils eliminated the Atlanta Braves with a 3-1 to win in Game 4 of the NLDS in, NLDS, yes, indeed, in Philadelphia. Now that the championship series are set in both leagues, just four wins stands between each of these teams and a ticket to the 2023 World Series on Sunday. The Texas Rangers will meet the Astros in Houston for Game 1 of the ALCS on Fox. Both teams ended the regular season with identical 90-72 uh, records or 90 and 72 records. Fans of either the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Philadelphia Phillies will have to wait until Monday night for game one of the NLCS on TBS. That series will begin in Philadelphia. No, that's your sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, let's get you up on the big stories of the morning. Uh, They're overseas, of course, in the Middle East. But back home, the story's uh, connected. Officials preparing security measures here in the city in response to this former Hamas leader's call to protest today around the world. Mayor Adams says there's no current specific threat against the city. We checked in with the NYPD last night. They said no, no specific threat, but uh, they're telling New Yorkers to remain vigilant today. We have directed the NYPD to surge additional resources to schools, houses of worship to ensure that they are safe. And, there, and that our city remains a place of peace. Governor Hochul says uh, state police going to be working with the NYPD to beef up local patrols, yeshivas, synagogues, museums, cultural institutions. New Yorkers on the street last night making plans uh, about what they're going to do today. We're going about our lives, but I just told my daughter just to come home right after school and not to just go to and from school and not go anywhere very public just in case. Yeah, nobody is really sure what to do, but I can tell you from talking to people yesterday, last night at an affair I was at, most of them had gotten emails from their companies, their corporations, telling them if they didn't have to, to not come into work today. So it's going to be awfully quiet in Midtown. We're also stepping up NYPD patrols in other key neighborhoods to help protect all of our city residents. New York City will do whatever it takes to keep our people safe. Yeshivas, synagogues, museums, cultural institutions, places that were deemed vulnerable uh, in the city and throughout the state. Here's a rabbi, Temple Emanuel. That's that huge synagogue, Fifth Avenue. He says... Amid all these threats, services will go on as planned tonight. We are not unaccustomed to states of heightened security. Yeah, no doubt the NYPD will be outside institutions like that one tonight. That, as the NYPD, investigating an attack and harassment of a group of men in Brooklyn as a possible bias crime. Around 15 men were in three vehicles driving in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. They drove up to three men who were eating outside. They started yelling anti-Palestinian statements, at least one of the people in the car waving an Israeli flag. They then parked, got out of the car, and they beat up and punched and kicked one of these 18-year-olds. Police have not caught up with them. They say they are investigating. That all taking place as um, it's about to get a whole lot more messy in the Middle East. Israel's military delivering sweeping evacuation orders this morning for almost half of Gaza's 2.3 million people ahead of what's a feared ground offensive aiming to eradicate the Hamas militants in Gaza after that grisly assault on Israel on Saturday. The order, as you might guess, sending panic through civilians in Gaza as they try to figure out how to get out of the way of this military exercise that could take place in the next couple of days. We were talking to our reporter, uh, Alex, in Jerusalem, and he said it's not clear when this is going to happen. He's not even clear whether a ground invasion will take place. 
But no doubt there will be bombing of some of these tunnels that are in this area. Uh, so you, there is a lot of movement in Gaza as today as people try to get out of the way. The thought is it's about 1.1 million civilians who are in the northern part of Gaza who've been told by Israelis in these leaflets to move to the southern part. Whether they have the means to do so, we'll find out, I guess, over the next 24 hours. Now let's bring it back home. Governor Murphy confirming the death of a second young New Jersey resident died as a result of the Hamas attacks on Israel. Any loss of uh, a life of an innocent person is a tragedy, but it's even more so, I think, if it's young people. And sadly, there were far too many of them, including folks with a with Jersey roots. Yeah, this son was a Hopewell native, Lior Abramov, who was 20 years old, had moved to Israel to become a successful DJ, but died during the Hamas attacks. He was at that rave uh, in the Negev desert where over 260 Israelis were slaughtered by those Hamas militants. No doubt you've seen the video of them coming in on hang gliders. He was there at that event. Um, Murphy also confirming this 20-year-old Israeli-American soldier that we had heard about from Paramus, um, Itai Glisko, who died. Um, and then Edan Alexander, a IDF soldier who graduated from Tenafly uh, High School last year. He still remains missing today. And I'm praying that Edan Alexander is alive and is somewhere safe. Um, and, and let's just all collectively pray that that's the case. So it's not clear if his body has just not been identified, if he's being held captive in Gaza. Nobody quite clear yet. That is the number of Americans killed in the conflict between Israel and the Palestinian uh, group Hamas continues to rise. Uh, we're obviously doing everything we can to support and inform the families. Uh, now, sadly, five more families have now gotten the worst possible news that any family can conceive of getting. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby there telling reporters at the White House yesterday, 27 Americans have died, 14 remain missing today. Same goes for those family members of those who are unaccounted for. And by unaccounted for, we mean that. We don't know where they are. They don't know where they are. So we're going to obviously stay in touch with them as well. And a father with ties to our area pleading today for the safe return of his son, who was last seen in Israel, Jonathan Dekel Chen, Park Slope, Brooklyn resident, says his son, 35-year-old Sagai, has been missing since the war in Israel began on Saturday. Now, apparently, he and his wife and kids were hiding in a bomb shelter when these attacks took place. But he thinks his son now has been kidnapped by Hamas militants. He has a beautiful wife, her name is Zafitav. She's seven months pregnant. And they have two little gorgeous girls, and aged three and six, at around six in the morning on Saturday. Sagi was one of the first people when they that were awake. He immediately set off the alarm. So Dekel Chen says the uh, State Department has been in touch with him and his family. On behalf of those who, who can't fight captives, um, to do everything I and many others can to get them home safely, or at the very least, uh, get some sort of indication from Hamas yeah, so about it- if they're alive. And in what condition are they? Things continue to amp up, unfortunately, in the Middle East. Was it looks they're preparing for a bigger uh, <clears throat> move into Gaza in the next 24 to 48 hours. Of course, keep it right here. 77 WABC for the latest. Go to WABCRadio.com as well.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.